remain standing, and I'll read the word from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 tonight. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Praise God. Give the Lord one more praise offering before you see you. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. 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 Praise, the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Everyone has some relics, keepsakes, maybe even valuable antiques that they treasure and just find it difficult to part with them. They don't need them. They're of no real value to them as far as usefulness, but they will not turn loose of them. Some have only sentimental value. They remember something associated with the, the I'm not talking about the person, I'm talking about the <laughs> whatever it is that they have the sentimental value for. But there are some very valuable things that we hate to part with, some antiques, but some are cumbersome. Some of them are in the way. We'd be better off to just clear them out, get rid of them. Have you ever had a notion to go through your closet and discard the clothing that you haven't worn for a number of years and there's people out there that are really inadequately clothed and they could use those articles of clothing? It's just hard for you to part with those things. There's some values and convictions that we must never part with. We must cling to them and hold on to them. As God instructs us in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6 and verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. There's some things about the past that we need to hold on to. We don't want to discard in our worship and in our convictions about values and about biblical truths. We don't want the modernistic application to biblical interpretation to take over and rule out the things that have been dear to our heart and to our life and have changed our life. I want to talk to you about some things that have changed down through uh, the biblical perspective, beginning all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. There are Bible dispensations that have brought change, drastic change to the whole world. The first dispensation for those who believe in dispensation was that of innocence. Adam and Eve were totally innocent. They had not committed any wrongdoing until Satan came into the garden and tempted them. It's recorded for us in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, the dispensation of innocence. Obviously, we're not living in that dispensation today. <laughs> no sin existed until they fell into the trap that Satan set for them. The second dispensation is recorded in Genesis chapter 3 through chapter 8. It was a dispensation of conscience. People had to live by their conscience. It ended with the flood because it fell that people would not follow their own ways successfully and them be the ways of God. It was in the heart of man to do evil continually, and God decided to bring the great flood 
and destroy the earth. So in, in that we read in the book of Genesis and Noah. Then the third dispensation was that of human government. It's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 8 through chapter 11. It ended with the Tower of Babel. Man building a tower whose top would reach unto heaven. And God came down and saw what they were doing. And he scattered them over the face of the earth and ended their quest for power. Man trying to become and initiate a system of government and religion whereby he would not even need God. The next dispensation is known as the dispensation of promise. It's recorded for us in the book of Genesis chapter 12 all the way through Exodus chapter 12. The covenants and promises that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. It was a great time. It ended with a bondage down in Egypt. The children of Israel being in bondage in, in Egypt. And then the fifth dispensation is recorded for us in Exodus chapter 12 all the way to Matthew chapter 2. And that's a dispensation of law. The law that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. The law that God gave for the people to live by in the Old Testament. And they lived under that law. When Christ came, he fulfilled every demand of that law. And he changed that law and initiated the next dispensation, which would be called the dispensation of grace. And that lasted from Matthew all the way through to Revelation chapter 19, the dispensation of grace. And you and I are living in that dispensation. Thank God for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for grace. It began with the preaching of John. It will end at the second advent when Christ comes back for the millennial reign of Christ to set up his kingdom on this earth. And then the final dispensation, the dispensation of divine government will take place. We have some ahead of what it will be like in Revelation chapter 19 through Revelation chapter 22. From the second advent unto the eternal perfect state that will never, never end. And all things will be made new according to my text. Now there are a lot of old things, leaving the dispensational aspect of this study, there are a lot of old things that need to be put away, that need to be discarded. We must put away the grudges and the unforgiveness that we have in our life towards those who may have wronged us. Maybe we imagined that they wronged us. Maybe it really did not exist at all. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then down in verse 14, he said, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your trespasses. But he said in verse 15, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will you, your Father forgive you your trespasses. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Some of us are laboring under a cloud that we don't need to be under. We're carrying a load we don't need. We're going into this year of 2007 with an unnecessary burden over, over our shoulders. And we're bowed down and we're stooped and we're carrying a heavy load of unforgiveness. And still there are people that may have wronged us and maybe they did not really wrong us. It doesn't matter if they did. We still need to forgive them. Jesus forgave you for your sins. You, you were not worthy of that forgiveness. But there are some sins in your life he absolutely will not forgive until you forgive those who have committed trespass against you. I'm sure in the archives of heaven tonight, there's some things that are lodged against our name 
that God says, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not going to forgive that until they forgive the one who has committed a trespass against them. Now that will interfere with your prayers. That will interfere with your walk with God in the year 2007. So you need to unload. You need to get that thing behind you and let all things become new. Take away the past. Begin a new life. God's filing cabinet does not need to have registered there in your envelope certain things that we've committed. We need, let it go. Let it go. Don't hold grudges. God will not forgive you until you forgive the people who have made you feel like that you've been wrong. The Apostle Paul told us some things that we need to put away. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Some of us are still talking baby talk. Some of us are still acting like children. We get offended and we pout and we go about our ways thinking somebody needs to apologize to me. No, we just need to put away childish things. Quit acting childish. Grow up. Be mature. I believe God wants us to be persons of spiritual maturity. And I believe that you're close enough to that tonight to take this hard preaching. <laughs> Put away childish things. Put away things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Let me read it for you. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Big, big order. <laughs> that is a huge order. But here he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe a few moments ago when there was a special move of the Holy Spirit, you wondered why you didn't feel anything. It may be that you've grieved the Holy Spirit. He couldn't touch your life because you have enmity and strife and malice there. And God refuses to just leap right over that and give you the blessing that he really would like for you to receive before you leave this building tonight. Maybe you felt out in the cold. You felt that's not for me. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe you need to look inside and see if you have grieved the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead. He is just as divine as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and God the Heavenly Father. And we have Him. Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to give you another comforter. Another, just like the original one, just like Himself, just as divine, just as real, just as precious. And we grieve Him when we have unforgiveness. We grieve Him when we have these bad feelings that we should not have. We must treasure the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why we took time out of this service to give in to what the Holy Spirit was leading us to do to worship the Lord God Almighty. He is grieved by bitterness. You know what bitterness is? It's like the venom of a serpent or a scorpion. It stings, it hurts, it poisons. And sometimes the bitterness that emanates from our life not only hurts the direction that it's directed at, but hurts the source also. We're injured by it. Put away wrath. Now, wrath here is the anger and hatred that we have connected with getting mad, getting upset, being rude. And that's not the Christian way of life. That is not the Christ-like Christ -like example. 
That is not the spirit-filled life. Now, I may be coming home tonight, right close to where you're living. Put away anger. That means indignation, wrathful indignation. People just becoming so indignant. They want to give somebody a piece of their mind. You haven't got that much to give away, so don't try it. Put away clamor. Clamor is uproar. We don't need uproar. We need peace. We need God to rule and reign in the atmosphere around our lives. Put away evil speaking. That's quarreling and harsh words. It's easy for us to give someone some harsh words when we could be soft-spoken. While we will work within the confines of his plans for the rapture and whatever takes place thereafter, when he comes back, we'll lay down our swords, we'll lay down our weapons, we'll lay down our tools, and we'll go up and be with him. But until then, we're going to be faithful, and we're going to be applying ourselves to enjoy the newness of the kingdom of God that is breaking out of the mold of the past and emerging into what God wants the New Testament church to be in the last days. I believe God wants us to be a church with a vision for world missions, helping missionaries overseas and at home, but God wants this church to spread out. I believe that we live in a metropolitan area where we should have a voice, not only on radio and television and on the internet, but I believe that we should have congregations that meet under the name Evangel Temple Assembly of God. We're not anything more than any other church. Thank God for every church that God is using in this great metropolitan area. We never want to be in competition with any of them. But I believe that God has planted people. There are people in this room tonight from all parts of this great metropolitan area. We're coming to you. Amen. We're coming to you. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. Now you got silent on me. Could I hear one good amen? Amen. I want you to stand. And what I would like for you to do tonight is to walk down to this altar. Commit yourself to being a new person. Let God do a new work in your life tonight. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, you come. I'll ask when you get down here about your spiritual well-being, and we will pray with you. Every person, we invite everyone in this room to join us here this crowd right up around the front so people coming behind will have room. Amen. Now I want to ask if there's anyone here, you're not sure that you're right with God. You're not sure that you're born again, transformed, a new creature in Christ. All things pass away and all things becoming new. When you get saved, you have a new life in Christ. And you need to be sure, 100% sure that you're saved. If you're here and you're not absolutely positive that you're saved, you'd like for us to pray for you. I want you to lift your hands and say, Yes, Pastor, I need prayer about my relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Brother Pettibone. How many more? You'll lift your hand and decay. 
you need to get right with God, you need a miracle in your spiritual life, you're born. Let's pray for those. Father, we pray for people who are unsaved, or backslidden, away from God, cold, lukewarm, whatever. We ask that tonight they'll walk out of this place with a new grip on faith and belief in God, transformed by the renewing that is taking place right now, even as we are praying. You're doing a miracle work in their life, forgiving their sin, blotting out the transgression, coming into their life to give them a brand new start. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God.